This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On Nothing and Kindred Subjects by Hilaire Belloc. Section 10 On Them. I do not like them. It's no good asking me why, though I have plenty of reasons. I do not like them. There would be no particular point in saying I do not like them if it were not that so many people doted on them, and when one hears them praised it goads one to expressing one's hatred and fear of them. I know very well that they can do one harm, and that they have occult powers. All the world has known that for a hundred thousand years and more or less, and every attempt has been made to propitiate them. James I would drown their mistress or burn her, but they were spared. Men would mummify them in Egypt and worship the mummies. Men would carve them in stone in Cyprus and Crete and Asia Minor, or, more remarkable still, artists, especially in the Western Empire, would leave them out altogether. So much was their influence dreaded. Well, I yield so far as not to print their name, and only to call them they. But I hate them, and I am not afraid to say so. If you will take a little list of the chief crimes that living beings can commit, you will find that they commit them all, and they are cruel. Cruelty is even their tread and expression. They are hatefully cruel. I saw one of them catch a mouse the other day. The cat is now out of the bag. And it was very much more sickening sight, I fancy, than ordinary murder. You may imagine that they catch mice to eat them. It is not so. They catch mice to torture them and what is worse they will teach this to their children their children who are naturally innocent and fat and full of goodness are deliberately and systematically corrupted by them there is diabolism in it other beings i include mankind will be gluttonous but gluttonous spasmodically or with a method or shamefacedly or in some way or other that qualifies the vice not so they. They are gluttonous always, and upon all occasions, and in every place and forever. It was only last vigil of all fool's day, when, myself fasting, I filled up the saucer seven times with milk, and seven times it was emptied, and there went up the most peevish, querulous, vicious complaint and demand for an eighth. They will eat some part of the food of all that are in the house. Now even a child, the most gluttonous one would think of all living creatures, would not do that. It makes a selection. They do not. They will drink beer. This is not a theory. I know it. I have seen it with my own eyes. They will eat special foods. They will even eat dry bread. Here again I have personal evidence of the fact. They will eat the dog's biscuits but never upon any occasion will they eat anything that has been poisoned. So utterly lacking are they in simplicity and humility, and so abominably well filled with cunning 
by whatever demon first brought their race into existence. They also, alone of all creation, love hateful noises. Some beings, indeed, and I count man among them, cannot help the voice with which they have been endowed, but they know that it is offensive, and they are at pains to make it better. Others, such as the peacock or the elephant, also know that their cry is unpleasant. They therefore use it sparingly. Others, again, the dove, the nightingale, the thrush, know that their voices are very pleasant and entertain us with them all day and all night long. But they know that their voices are the most hideous of all sounds in the world. And knowing this, they perpetually insist upon thrusting those voices upon us, saying, as it were, I am giving myself pain, but I am giving you more pain, and therefore I shall go on. And they choose for the place where this pain shall be given, exact and elevated situations very close to our ears. Is there any need for me to point out that in every city they will begin their wicked jar just at the time when its inhabitants must sleep? In London you will not hear till after midnight in the country towns it begins at ten, in remote villages as early as nine. Their master also protects them. They have a charmed life. I have seen one thrown from a great height to a London street, which, when it reached it, walked quietly away with the dignity of the lost world to which it belonged. If one had the time, one could watch them day after day, and never see them do a single kind of good thing, or be moved by a single virtuous impulse. They have no gesture for the expression of admiration, love, reverence, or ecstasy. They have but one method of expressing content, and they reserve that for moments of physical repletion. The tail, which is in all other animals the signal for joy, or for defense, or for mere usefulness, or for a noble anger, is with them agitated only to express a sullen discontent. All that they do is venomous, and all that they think is evil. And when I take mine away, as I mean to do next week in a basket, I shall first read in a book of statistics what is the wickedest part of London, and then I shall leave it there, for I know of no one even among my neighbors, quite so vile as to deserve such a gift. The End of Section 10